I, um, I just sensed this morning that, Cass, we live in rollercoaster times, don't we? One day you feel like you're seeing some light, and the next day you feel like it's the train coming at you, not the end of the tunnel. And, um, but I felt like, as I was thinking, okay, what do I share this morning? What, what do I actually bring that brings hope and encouragement but also brings truth. Because you well know that nobody needs empty platitudes. And that just kind of nice Bible verses don't really cut it, do they? They just don't cut it. There's got to be some power behind it and there's got to be some truth behind it. So we're going to talk about spaciousness. But we're going to start here. Because I said some of us might quite like this to happen. Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down, the mountains shook at your presence. Anybody felt like that in the heart? No, sorry, that's not what we're talking about. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard or perceived by your ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. And I think this kind of passage kind of sums up a little bit of perhaps how some of us might be feeling on the inside. Some of us might feel frustrated. We might feel angry. We might feel confused. Uh... We might feel all sorts of things, and that might be directed at all sorts of people. But as Paul wrote in the last couple of prayer things, that's not really very helpful to you. Because uh, it doesn't actually get you anywhere. But I do want to sum up this cry and why, why those words kind of resonate. Why we get like that and why those words kind of make us feel like... Uh, but I also want to explore that last line. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. And I want to talk about what it might mean for God to work. Because if we expect God to work in a way that he's never said he's going to work, we'll end up quite disappointed. So I want to explore this idea of what does it mean for God to work because it's very possible right now to be working towards and waiting for things that won't actually bring us the relief we are seeking and that will leave us disappointed. So these, these words that I just read, they, or maybe not. Can you put the next slide up, mate? My phone's giving up on me. Uh, um, just that desire to kind of see God come and sort it all out. It is the cry of a human being. You would not be human if you didn't cry like that. You wouldn't be human if you just didn't go, somebody come and sort this out now. Somebody come and get rid of this nonsense. Somebody come and, whether that be lockdown or whatever else is going on in, in your life. Uh, we're not just talking about that, although of course it's pertinent to most of us. Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't enjoy pain or suffering or struggle. We are always looking for a way out of it, uh, which of course is what it is to be human. That's just what it is to be human. We were not created for pain or suffering or struggle or isolation or lack. Therefore, we want to escape it all the time. 
We were created to live in perfection. So within every human being, there is a desire to escape pain and suffering. That's just normal. So if there's anything in you that's screaming for something different, screaming for something changed, for relief to come, you have to know that's normal. And we all feel it to one degree or another. It may well be different things that press our buttons. It may well be different ways we hope it might come. But all of us, somewhere within us, we scream for something to be different. And that's okay. And of course, I've spent four weeks talking about, you meant to voice that. It's okay. You are meant to express it. But this cry also reveals another side of our humanity, a desire for somebody else to sort it out. It seems to be a condition of our humanity. We want things changed and sorted out, but we'd always prefer it if somebody else would do it for us. Yeah, that didn't get as many amens, did it? But there you go. <laughs> it's the truth of it, though. Yeah, yeah. We always want somebody else to fix it. Somebody else to sort it out. Somebody else to make it better. That's all right. It's called being human. I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm, I'm the same. I don't want to put the hard yards in. I want somebody else to make it better. Somebody else to fix it. Somebody else to write the check. Somebody else to sort it out. That's my natural place. But this cry of God to do something echoes through the pages of the Bible. And David cries out. And his declaration, as I just read, is that God saves. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. So David testifies that God saved him out of his troubles. The question is, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be saved out of your troubles? Because when David writes this, his life is in danger. And perhaps he's hoping that God will wipe out all his enemies so he can be free again. I mean, if you read David, he's very hot on God wiping out his enemies for him quite often. But it's a cry of his heart. Because that's what he's like. God, if you could just sort this person out, if you could just get rid of this person who's trying to kill me, if you could just get rid of this idiot out of my life, it'd all be wonderful. That's the cry of the human hair. But our mindset generally is that the troubles come from outside. So it's the outside, the external that are our troubles. And we want those things sorted out. We want the illness to go, the finance to come, the relationship to be restored, the lockdown to lift, etc., etc. That is a part of being human. It's a normal response that we are programmed and wired to do that. So right now, we might be under the impression that this lockdown and the various restrictions are the biggest obstacle we want saving from. But here's the truth. The lockdown is not your issue. Lockdown is not the cause of many of your difficulties. What lockdown has done has accentuated and made worse what you were already feeling. Lockdown has not made you feel isolated, it's made you feel more isolated. Lockdown has not made you feel anxious, it's made you feel more anxious. Lockdown has not made you feel disconnected from Jesus, it's made you feel more disconnected from Jesus. Don't tell me that lockdown is the issue. Lockdown is not the issue, lockdown has made the issue worse. That's the truth. And this is why just seeking for lockdown to go will not help. Because the issue will still be there. It may well be reduced. But guess what? At some point in time, something else will come along and it will go back up again. It gets more encouraging, don't worry. <laughs> but listen, if you felt isolated before lockdown, now you feel very isolated. If you felt disconnected before lockdown, now you feel very disconnected. If you felt anxious before lockdown, now you feel greater levels of anxiety. 
So you might have been at a one on your anxiety levels. Now it's gone up to a four. And if lockdown goes, it'll go back to a one. But guess what? Something else will come along and it'll go back up to a four. The reason I share this with you, it's important to understand that getting out of lockdown is not the answer you are looking for. Waiting for and working for it to end won't bring the relief that you need because the isolation, the disconnection, the anxiety or whatever else may reduce, but it will not go away because you carry it with you in your heart. And at some point, another different external event will cause it to spike again. As we found, lockdown may be released and then it might tighten up again. You might get told on Friday you can open your business. Then on Sunday you can close your business. And then on Thursday you can close your business again. Your body may well be healed, but at some point it will fail you again. I love healing. I've prayed for healing. But at some point, you're not going to pray for healing forever and ever and ever. Somebody once said to me, well, they got healed before. Why are they ill again? I was like, well, it's called life. I mean, sorry to burst your bubble, but like... Just because you get healed doesn't mean you're then healed forever. You're going to get ill again. I know it's painful, it's rubbish, it's other stronger words. But that is the reality of life. Don't trust me, there's good news. But I just need to make this point, because this is the truth before the grace comes afterwards, okay? Because if you don't get the truth, the grace doesn't work. You might get out of a relationship that's painful, but you will be hurt again. You'll be rejected again and you'll suffer the words of another again. I know, I hate it, it's rubbish, but it is life. Because we don't live in a perfect world. Life is difficult, life is oppressive, life is tough, life doesn't make sense. But nowhere in this book does Jesus say it's going to be other than different than that. He does say some wonderful things though. And it's really important we understand it because otherwise we totally misunderstand what it means for God to work and to move. And then we get very depressed because God, it seems to us, hasn't done what we think he should do. But what if he never promised to do that in the first place? You see, most of us still fall into the trap the Jewish people of Jesus' day fell into. When Jesus walked the earth, his nation was under occupation from the Romans. I mean, talk about lockdown. The Jewish people were in a severe lockdown. Taxes at 80, 90%. You try and rise up, you'd be crucified. It won't, it would, millions of people got crucified not millions, hundreds of thousands of people got crucified in fact in one day over a thousand people got crucified so you literally got killed for doing anything you could go in the temple one day as you find in Luke 13 and Pilate decides to kill them all mixes the blood with the sacrifices he said literally get killed for going to church this is the place Jesus walks into this type of place this is what we read about Jesus Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you read the Old Testament prophecies, they're full of dialogue about a coming Messiah who will deliver and save his people. And it seemed when Jesus arrived, they needed deliverance. In fact, before Jesus and after Jesus, there were many Jewish people who rose up in revolt and tried to overthrow the Romans. Most of them got killed pretty fast. So if you read history from about BC, about 100 till about AD 200, there's Judas of Maccabees. There's various people that try and rise up and do what the Jewish people thought Jesus would do. But of course, Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus didn't come to save them from the oppression of the government of the day. 
he actually did very little about it. I mean, he died at the government's hands, which is why most people thought he'd failed. Because you're meant to be this Messiah who's going to come and bring something wonderful and new. You're meant to overthrow the Roman Empire, but the Roman Empire killed him. He had something more important on his mind than overthrowing the government of the day. His mission was to save his people from their sins. And when I say sins, most of us think about the things we do wrong or the things other people do wrong to us, but that's a really narrow definition of the word. Jesus came to save us from all the pain and the heartache that goes on in this world so that we might live in this world. And I know people get upset and they go, well, well, that's not fair. God, God should do this and God should do that. Well, listen, God gave you a choice. And if he gives you a choice, he has to give everybody else a choice. You can't have it both ways. So either we're all robots or none of us are robots. Either we all have a choice or none of us have a choice. And we've all got a choice. Sadly, people don't always choose to do life as Jesus would have us do it. That causes pain. But in the middle of it, Jesus came to bring something far more wonderful. Please understand me. God does incredible things in our external lives. He heals. He restores. He brings people into our lives that we are greatly blessed to have. But he also does something even more powerful than those things. Almost all of us fall into the trap that if our external circumstances change, then everything will be better. But sorry to burst your bubble, it's just not true. When your external circumstances change, you just have a different set of problems to deal with. That's the reality. When your kids are little, you want them to grow up. And then when they grow up, you want them to be little again. When you're on your own, you desperately want to be with somebody. And then when you're with someone, there are times you desperately want to be on your own. That's exactly right, Leon. When you've got no money, you have difficult choices to make. And when you have plenty of money, you have difficult choices to make. You can be desperate to find a life partner. And they can be taken from you. It just brings you a different set of problems. Please don't fall into the trap of thinking that only if this problem would sorted, life would be rosy. I don't want to burst your bubble this morning, but the truth is it just does not work like that. But what if life wasn't dependent on your external circumstances? What if joy, goodness, grace, hope were not just words, but actual realities that you carried with you every day and into every scenario that you experienced? What if no matter whether life was rosy on the outside, life was always rosy on the inside? What if there was a way that no matter what was happening externally, you had peace and joy every day? That's more powerful. Let's go back to these words. The Hebrew word for saved is the word yasha. It means to be open, wide, or free. The Hebrew word for trouble is the word sorah, meaning tightness. What does it mean to be saved from your troubles? It means to find spaciousness instead of tightness. This is not about being relieved from every external issue. This is about in the midst of whatever's going on, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, finding a spaciousness in your heart. That means no matter what's going on, you can smile. Which is why we have to talk first about the 
the, the lies we believe that when our external things change, it'll all be rosy. Because listen, if you've got isolation, anxiety, disconnectedness in your heart, it don't matter who lives in your house, it don't matter who you're related to, it don't matter how much money you've got in the bank account, those things are still in your heart. And you will carry them wherever you go. To be safe from trouble means that even when the press comes, even when there is a sense of being constricted, we can be open, wide, and free. Not because anything externally has changed, but because internally we know where it is to walk with Jesus and to walk his incredible love, peace, and grace. The government can never lock down my spirit. Nobody can ever touch my spirit. They can throw me in jail and they cannot control my spirit. They can literally put me in solitary confinement and I have a voice and I have a spirit. I refuse to believe I'm locked down. My physical body may be limited, but my spirit has never been locked down unless I choose to lock it down. And that's the choice, of course. You might, not, you might not feel like you can choose where you take your physical body, but you can choose where you take your spirit. Because nobody can tell you what to do with that. And nobody can tell you what to do with your mind either. Nobody can lock that down. Gosh, you can believe the lies, and you can believe all sorts of things, and it will get locked down. But ultimately, I'm not locked down. I'm free as a bird. I may be limited in what I can do physically, but my heart is free and my spirit is free. And of course, that's me. You've got to decide whether your spirit's locked down or whether it's free. This morning, I cannot offer you a route out of lockdown. I have no idea. I don't think anybody's got an idea, to be honest, but there we go. I cannot magic up answers to your very real and very painful external challenges. Please, I'm not minimizing. I'm not minimizing any external challenges. You know I've been through enough of my own to know that it hurts. And there's one you don't know about as well that hurt. So I'm not minimizing any of them. But just know that everybody's gone. And, And many people look and think, well, they don't have this. No, everybody's gone. Everybody has got external challenges that are difficult. And to them, they are painful and difficult. Please don't start comparing yourself. It's just not helpful. All right? You'll just end up trying to be bottom of the pile. It's like that Monty Python sketch. In my day, we only had a log fire. In my day, we didn't have any logs. But we end up in this place sometimes of trying to get to the worst. You know, well, I've got it worse than you. Please, church, please, please, please don't be so infantile. I say that with love. Honestly, come on. So, I can't promise. I can't promise that your loved one will be healed or that a life partner's just round the corner. I can't promise that there'll be money in the bank tomorrow. I can't promise that that illness will go away. I can pray, and I do pray for all those things. But I can promise that you can have a new sense of spaciousness today. That I can promise. 
That I know is available. That I know is always available. And the answer is not to be found in exiting your external challenges, but finding spaciousness in the middle of the tightness of them. It's the only way that you can actually live this life in a real way and come out of it in abundance. It just is. And please, again, please hear me. I am not minimizing any of those challenges. I know some of you are going through incredibly tough things right now. Incredibly tough things. And I'm not suggesting that lockdown has not made it harder. But I just, I'm going, what can I offer you? Okay, well, I can offer you spaciousness in your heart. I can offer you a way to keep going. I can encourage you and go, look, your spirit is only locked down to the extent you choose to lock it down. See, God's primary working is in you. In everything that you go through. He's trying to build his kingdom in you. That's what he's wanting to do. That is his job for eternity. To build it in you. And I think he's most interested in healing your heart. Whether you were going through a great time or a tough time... The question of God's work is the same. He's trying to build something in you. You see, most of us ask the wrong questions. They ask, why why hasn't this happened? Why is this happening? But there's a better question to ask. God, what are you trying to build in me right now? That's the best question. I was talking to somebody a little while ago that were describing this circumstance. And I think I said words to the effect of, well, now God's got your attention. Why don't you ask him what he wants to say? And they came back to me a few days later and said, oh, I realized that there was this resentment in my heart towards these people and pain in my heart. And I, I realized all this. Okay, well, there you go. God's got your attention. But, but you've got to ask the right question. Perhaps we need to spend more time asking that question than the other questions. Perhaps we need to give voice to the cry in our hearts and let him know how we feel. Perhaps if we focus on the right things, there may be movement in all the other things. Nearly every time I sit down with somebody, they start telling me about an external situation that's often incredibly difficult, challenging and painful. Nearly always it starts with there's this situation at work, there's this in the family, there's this illness, there's this, there's this. this." And each time as we talk and share, they come to see that although the external issue is indeed often incredibly difficult, challenging and painful, there is something God wants to do in their hearts a new perspective he wants to show them, a new insight into their approach to live that brings a measure of peace, a weight lifted, a new sense of grace for the day. That don't mean to say that we don't pray about the external. Don't mean to say we don't give it to God and go, God, we want to see this happening. But I just knew this morning what I had faith for and what I believed God wanted to do was to offer you spaciousness in your heart. Because ultimately, as I've said, if it's in your heart, it's everywhere you go. And if it's in your heart, it touches everybody who you touch. And what happens is if you carry those things in your heart, if you carry anxiety, if you carry isolation, if you carry any sense of rejection, what happens is people pick up on it. And actually, the thing you're looking for takes longer to happen. Because people pick up on those things. And so you become continually disappointed because you realize that 
what you're carrying happens. You see, let's take this thing about isolation, disconnectedness. The answer, it would seem, would be to get with as many people as you can and be with people all the time. And of course, that's helpful and good. But ultimately, you will go home. And you will carry the isolation in your heart. So it's only a temporary reprieve. It's not a long-term answer. And even if you ended up uh, moving into a house with somebody, you would still feel isolated. Because how many of you know it's possible to be lonely in a crowd? Of course, we need one another. And we need to be looking out for one another. And we've got to do that. And we will provide space for one another. But just know that that is, that is a sticking plaster on the real issue. The real thing we've got to do is just speak into that pain. And allow Jesus to meet us there. Because when we do that, not only is it better when we meet people, it's better when we go home as well. That's the reality. And I'm not, I'm not just talking to people who... Who live on their own now because lots of people who live with other people feel isolated. Just because there's somebody else in your house doesn't mean to say you feel, in, feel connected with somebody or have a sense of intimacy with somebody. Let's not pretend that everything's perfect in everybody else's house. Let's not pretend the grass is greener on the other side. There's only one place where the grass is green, a place where Jesus exists. The place where Jesus lives and is. It's the only place where the grass is greener. So this morning I want to I wanna pray. And I just want to pray for us all before we close. That God might touch us in those places. That God might meet us in those places. And if you were, particularly if you were watching online now, if you were aware that you've got any of those things I mentioned and you were not looking forward to this thing, then I just want to encourage you to give those things to Jesus. And when I say that, I just mean literally say, Jesus, I give you it. That's what we mean when we say give it to Jesus. We just give him it. We say, God, I give you it. I recognize I feel this, I feel that, I feel the other. I receive your spaciousness in my heart in the name of Jesus. Let's just pray, shall we? Father God, I want to thank you that you are always available to bring life and light and healing and spaciousness no matter how constricted we feel. And I pray, Lord, especially for those who are watching online right now, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would meet them, that even as they give to you that which they feel in the heart, Father, as they're able to go, I give it to you, that you would meet them in a whole new and different place. Amen. Amen.